Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stuff Your Ears. We are a podcast of Bismarck Community Church, and here we will give you conversations, discussions, as well as sermons and thoughts and ruminations that all are aimed at helping us to live, or at the very least, to understand what it means to live as a faithful Christian in a world that's often not quite what we wish it were. Glad you tuned in. I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Stuff. And then these very same words get brought over because the narrative is supposed to have us going, oh, everything that God made, everything that He declared, it is all very good. He is now protecting in spite of the flood, he is protecting what, is, what he loves, what is his. The Bible, and that's the point here, the Bible presents to us a God who protects and stewards, cares for the things that he loves. And I know that's a crazy point to make in the, in the story of a flood. But it's true, and we see it. We see him closing. It says the Lord himself shut in all that he loves. All, everything that he's made, all of creation gets in there, and the Lord himself shuts it in. One thing to think about is sometimes hard, these hard things actually lead to life. Difficult things. The things I, I don't suppose anyone on that ark was like, yay, a flood. Like, I, don't, I don't think they were excited about it. But there is this passage, this is another thing I want to read, because it shows the, the context. In, in Genesis 9, it, or the 6, so go back a chapter, this is the foundation, this is the why. Why, why is this, all this happening? Verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he made man. It grieved him. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man. I'm sorry that I made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, why did the flood happen, right? What's interesting is that almost every culture, especially ancient cultures, have a flood narrative. They've got a story about a global flood. Almost every culture does. And, and they all have, not all, many have a deity with a reason. It's a common thing. The two that would have been popular would have been probably understood by the people who first heard this story were the Babylonian and the Egyptian. These were both two different stories that they had to explain the flood, right? The Babylonians had a god named, I think his name was Marduk, and the reason for the flood is that he was trying to take a nap and the people were too noisy. That's, the, in the, that's their story, and this is why. It was just noisy. Uh, the Egyptian, Ra, floods the earth because he is not getting respect from humanity. He wants respect. He demands it when he doesn't get it. That's their reason. And in God's, God's reason is not that we're annoying or loud or disrespectful. It's that, it's that every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Now, think about that. I'm not a person who thinks that people are basically good, right? I don't. I don't think that. 
I think we are sometimes greedy and selfish and insecure, and, and we, we cover our shame with things that are hurtful to other people. I, we do that. But I also don't think that it can be said that the thoughts and intentions of our hearts are only ever always evil, continually. I, I don't think that's true either. We, everyone I know, even you know, those of us that are broken, and we all are, but we, all of us, I think, contribute good and beauty and life in some corner of the world. We do something that is good. We can't say that. I cannot say that about, I mean, pretty much only people I could say that about are sociopaths. Right? I, I don't, the, 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 every intention of the thoughts of our hearts, only ever evil continually. Do you know there's a word for a world in which everyone is that way? That word is hell. The flood is actually a grace. God is sparing humanity. In, yes, a lot of people had to die, and it's horrible, and I know that. But God is sparing humanity from having to endure hell in, in, in this life. That is what that's about. He wants us to have the good life. His intention here is to bless. Just like at the garden. Just like when he's like, oh, we can't let him eat that. That would be bad. So getting kicked out of the garden is not punishment. It's mercy because he doesn't want us to have to live in that state of separation and shame and regret and all that forever. So even death is a mercy in the story. So God uses even these hard, hard, hard things that enter our life, the difficult and painful things, can actually lead us to life. One of the things that occurred to me when I looked at God and and these other narratives um, is, is God for us or are we for Him? In other words, there's there's different ways of looking at this, and I think in t- to some degree, both are not quite right. Some of us, and I think all of us have probably wrestled with this at some level in our hearts, we've probably heard sermons that led us further down this road even, but we think like the Babylonians, right? It is my job to please God lest He punish me, right? That's it's kind of a thing. So it, we, in that theory, we exist for the sole purpose of pleasing God. We've got to make Him happy. And, and shake in your boots if you don't, because He's going to get you, right? I mean, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Another is God is for us, and that is He's useful. All of us have been very influenced by the American dream and the stuff and the, the good life of consumption and... receiving comforts and happiness and all these things. And oftentimes, we look at God as a tool, right? God, please help me get that new car. God, please help me, you know, have the, the more comfortable sofa. Help me get that thing from Amazon. You know, God is a tool for us to get, or we are tools for God to get, right? goes both ways. What if they're both wrong? What if we actually don't have to please God because it's been done? A man on a cross named Jesus 
said, you're good. God is pleased with us in him. We are accepted. And what if we live in a world that is just simply broken? That, you know what, comfort might not be the end of humanity in a world that's not right and is being made new. I know that's shocking for an American to hear. But what if it's not all about us? But it is about God making us better. What if the hard things that enter into our lives, whether it's diagnosis, job loss, the painful, painful, painful things that come, are actually a way of giving us life? There's this thing I've been saying a lot lately, and I'm learning it more and more, I think, to be true, but that Jesus showed us this simple reality. If you want to live a resurrection life, you have to enter into the grave. And a lot of us are terrified of that. But sometimes the hard things that come, the difficult, the challenging things that come into our life exist so that God can drag us through the grave to enjoy resurrection. Because life after the flood, yes. Are people still sinful? Yes. Yes, they are. But I don't think every thought of every intention of all their heart is always ever evil continually. Right? That's not the world we live in now. And it took the flood for us to get there. God does that sometimes to give us life. (laughs) Weathering the storm might be bringing us life. The second thing to note is that God protects his people through those hard things, through the difficult things, through the painful things. It is God who protects his people through them. He did it here with Noah. He's the one that shut them in, right? He shuts them in. He's the one protecting his creation. Waves are rolling, I'm sure. The rain, the terror, the fear. I cannot imagine what that must have felt like to be on that boat. And it would have stank too. And and to endure all of what they were enduring. And yet God himself is protecting them through all of that awful, awful stuff. God protects what he loves. No matter what we think is happening, God is the one who's protecting it. He protected Jesus. Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, he said. And yet the last thing he said was, into your hands I commit my spirit. And three days later, he walked out of a grave. God protects what he loves in ways that are beyond our ability to to understand or conceive of. And so when we are in front of, when when God says the rain clouds are coming, (laughs) when we see it coming down the road, we look west and we see the, the dark cloud, or even in the midst of it, we have to remember that God protects what he loves. Some of us, right, some of us, death, death, as a metaphor, right? I'm, I'm using that as a metaphor for us. Or maybe, maybe it is literal because every one of us goes that road too. But, but as we think about living in a resurrection life here and now, there are times that we see the storm clouds on the horizon. We see the things that we think this couldn't possibly be real, that this is too hard. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's... it's being honest about a story of something that happened to you when you were little. I, 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 
many, many, many of us live without being able to share our, the vulnerable parts of our stories. And we, we hold on to it, and it, it creates so much shame. And I think when we open up, somehow we are set free. That's death. Because it feels like death, doesn't it? To, to tell the truth about something can feel like walking into a grave. And yet when we do it, and I've seen example after example after example after example, when we do it, resurrection life. When we maybe be honest about something we've done, feels like death. Maybe it's just facing turmoil and change. Maybe you're not, maybe, so, I, I, how many people have refused to call the doctor about that lump that keeps growing because they don't want to hear about it? Right? But when we face it, when we make that call, when we enter into, when we, when we open our mouths and tell our story, when we're honest, when we do the thing, we are tempted to see the rain clouds coming and run the other way. And when we do that, it always, always, always leads to avoiding resurrection. It leads to avoiding the good life that God wants to move us into. He is trying to move us to a better place. And along the way, He promises to protect us. He wants to take us there. and He wants to shape us along the way. And all we've got to do <laughs> is the awful thing of accepting the storm. Building the ark. And saying, okay, okay. I'll trust you, and I'll go where you're leading me. It led Noah. He had other problems later, but it led him to new life. <laughs> he avoided all of what was coming, and it will us too. We just have to be willing to embrace the pain of the grave. And I promise you, every time we do, you will. it'll hurt, and it'll stink, and it'll be stormy and windy and wavy. But on the other side of that, you will have a better life. <laughs> A resurrection life, just to taste something that we were made for. Let me pray for us. Jesus, would you help us to uh, experience resurrection life, but remind us that the only way to get there is to walk through the difficult storms, walk through the grave, walk through pain and death. But, but you're with us as we do. Help us to experience that reality. And move us so that we can have just a taste of the life of goodness that we were made for. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.